What's that? You can't remember the full name of the Imola Grand Prix either? Well, let's get started. Another race for the world's greatest driver, Juan Manuel Fangio. Former world champion Jim Clark leapt into the lead. That's Clark's Lotus going like a bomb. And James Hunt is the world champion by just one single point. By being a racing driver, you are under risk all the time. And if you no longer go for a gap that exists, you're no longer a racing driver. And that is Michael Schumacher ahead, the world champion. To become a four-time world champion, Sebastian Vettel, Lewis Hamilton, champion of the world. That's for all the kids out there who dream the impossible. Max Verstappen is champion of the world. Hello and welcome to episode 13 of F1 in Review. I'm Tristan Fancourt and I'm joined by Angus Gallagher. Uh, Tom can't be with us today. He is on holiday, so I'm sure he'll be tuning in to listen to this podcast. So hi, Tom, um, in in Paris. I hope you're enjoying yourself. So you've just got myself and Angus to guide you through uh, the week's worth of topics before we head on over to the Imola Grand Prix, a, a Grand Prix which many of us will be looking forward to. It has delivered some spectacular uh, crashes and interests over the last few years when they brought it back and if you can't remember the full name of this Grand Prix well I would say that it is the longest of the season by far it the full name is the Formula One Qatar Airways Grand Premio del Made in Italy El Della Emilia Romagna 2023 Grand Prix <laughs> blimey just they had to add a uh, Made in Italy halfway through which uh, unnecessary. unnecessary unnecessary absolutely and um it also as a bit of trivia holds my favorite track corner name of anyone in any track in the season and that is the um aqua minerale corner uh, yes. which translates to mineral water in case that one had passed you by. <laughs> but before we go towards um, Imola, hurtle towards the, the barrier, which could well be the upcoming rainstorm for that particular track, I think we should talk about the, the, the trail end of the Miami Grand Prix. We spoke last week about some of the winners um, from the, the previous race, but we may want to talk about some of the losers too. So, Angus... Let's talk about McLaren, shall we? Yes, let's. A team that promised so much going into the Grand Prix. I don't know if you saw the demonstration of their upgrades that they were bringing, but they basically circled the whole car mm-hmm. and we're upgrading everything. But unfortunately, yes. it didn't really it didn't really turn out like that during the race. What should we say it was a it was a disappointing ending. So for a team that promised to be near the front but ended up being at the back, what went wrong? I mean, it's a very similar pattern, isn't it, for McLaren for the last two years and that they've got into it on, with big promise um, because in 2021 they had a very strong year with uh, with Lando Norris uh, doing his Lando Norris things and then mm-hmm. Daniel Ricciardo winning that race. Last year started off with big hopes but the car was pretty shoddy and then it kind of improved as the year went on and they managed to scrape themselves into a battle for fourth with Alpine. And then this year, same again, the car's a bit rubbish. Do you remember the point over the winter where they um, they said that, well, we've missed our upgrades, so, and this yeah. is in like January, and you th- at that point you think, okay, not great, not great. Um, 
and it, it really isn't great. I think that they are just they're just struggling, aren't they? And they've had this. Um, you may have seen the news before. Was it before Miami or Azerbaijan where they have this technical reshuffle? So they've uh, yes. released James Key, who was their technical director, basically McLaren's version of Adrian Newey. Um, and usually, when that happens, that's because the person, if a car's slow, the heads that the head that rolls, or the heads that roll, are either team principal or the main technical director or uh, technical main designer. Mm. So no surprise that his his head has rolled. I think the McLaren as well. We we have to remember that the big change they had over the winter with the departure of Andreas Seidel. Um, I remember we said at the time when it came at the back end of the last season of F1 interview when you had the silly season and half the team half the teams changed team principles. And we remember us saying, does Andreas Seidel leaving McLaren out the blue mean something's wrong? And with hindsight, it's fair to say that it's almost like he knew something, isn't it? It's like he knew something was coming over the hill, which which didn't look too great and made him jump ship to the new Audi project. 17th and 19th in Miami is is really poor from six, poor. from 16th and 19th on the grid and they just seem to really lack pace and yeah, like you said all these upgrades no purchase for it at all. I mean, it's looking pretty bleak, isn't it? Yeah, it absolutely is. And I think there's now speculation, isn't there, about Lando Norris's future in McLaren. Yes. When when there was an interview with Zach Brown last week, he confirmed that there was no, there's zero exit clauses in Lando Norris's contract. And he goes on to say that ultimately when his contract is next up, if we're not performing and he doesn't feel he can win races, compete for the championship, then I think anybody, driver or team member, would consider leaving. So I would would have thought that, that Lando Norris's departure is going to be on the team's mind. It in some ways, I yeah. think it kind of parallels Alonso being there in the in the late um, well, twenty fifteen season, and everyone's sort of thinking, "Well, is a good driver in a poor car? This isn't going to last." Yeah, and Norris is. I think it's we've been over. It. I definitely bang on about it. He's an extremely talented driver. I think that he is deserving of a place further up the grid and. The longer he has to wait for that, the more impatient he's going to get. He's coming up to he's done eighty seven F one races and he's yet he's yet to win a race. And yes, I know he's had a couple of occasions, most famously in Russia twenty twenty one when he was leading and then agonizingly uh, dropped off at the end when he didn't come in for tires at the right time. But I mean he's just it's just not been what he wanted from that car it's not been what he wanted in terms of wanting a race winning car the times when he's been up near the front is times when he's had to drag it himself and the one time when it was a race winning car in Monza Daniel Ricciardo took the accolades so yeah he's going to be getting more and more impatient I'd say as time goes on because he's he's a he's a very talented driver and he will be impatient. He will see as well similar drivers of a similar age to him, such as Russell, such as Leclerc, Verstappen as well, having more success further at the front, and he'll want a piece of that. And he'll think I'm. He'll back himself. He'll think I'm as talented as these guys. I want to be up there and fighting at the front. I'd be interested to know. Do you know when his contract runs out? Because Zach Brown's saying that uh, if it runs, if it's 
if at the next contract renewal the car is still not up to shape, he can leave. Now, when would that be? Is it 24, 25? 2025. 2025, yeah. so... So, he's quite a long this... contract, but, you know, two years yeah. from now. Yeah, I don't think I don't think he'd take two more years of being in the midfield. By then, he'd have been in F1 for seven years and then not made much of a an imprint. It's a, I think there's... It's possibly... There could be some, like, movement in the drive market over the next year or so, because you'll have... Hamilton retiring at some point. You'll have Alonso. I know he's a machine continuing, but he'll he'll retire at some point in the next few years, I reckon. And then you've got Leclerc saying in the press conference before Miami or Azerbaijan saying that he hadn't had talks with Mercedes yet. I don't know why he said it yet. It must have been a language barrier thing because he's opened a whole can of worms there. Yeah, I know. But Lando, Nor- <laughs> but Lando Norris would be in that, that discussion. I mean, was it 2021 or 22 where... Perez was struggling a bit at Red Bull and Christian Horner went and spoke to Lando Norris to try and get Verstappen and Norris in uh, in Red Bull. So, and Norris turned them down, stay at McLaren. Yikes. But well, I, I mean, that's rumoured. Yeah. We don't, we're not totally sure whether or not yes. any offer. The, that was the rumour at the time. Um, and clearly, it would have been a great career move, <laughs> wouldn't it, if he had actually decided to do that. But, yeah. you know, Red Bull certainly won't be ditching Perez now. No. And I mean... These obviously these are all rumors and speculation, but I mean it's it's fair because it's it's really obvious to anyone who follows F1 that uh, he is a uh, he's sticking out like a sore thumb in that McLaren team, and he's I think that the one thing for him is he has to make sure that whilst the car is as bad as it is, his performance levels don't drop. He doesn't like let it slip, and he doesn't like sort of start sulking, and then as a result, he can't mm. progress because. People have, people tend to have recency bias. They will, they will be more favourable towards what's happened more recently. So, unless he keeps on churning out those those good results, people will forget um, the goodwill and the reputation he built up by doing all the sort of well by having the success he did when he had those set of podiums when he got that pole as well at Sochi. So he has to keep on it almost to make yeah, sure that people don't. Of brilliance. Yes, exactly. It'd be has to, has to sort of keep it up so that people don't go, oh, Lando Norris, he's like struggling at yeah. the moment. They have to go, oh, remember when Lando Norris did so well in that McLaren car? He has to keep that, that uh, reputation high if he wants to get that move. Yeah, but I think part of the issue now is, is un- let's let's take a, an example of a driver who was, who was making great strides in a poor car, Land, uh, George Russell, when he yeah. was in the Williams and he was getting into Q3 and he got the na- nickname Mr. S- Mr. Saturday and he was consistently <laughs> getting a car that should not be in Q3 into Q3, getting points for it, you know, absolutely stomping over his teammates in you know, Nicholas Latifi, demonstrating that he was ready for the move up. To some extent, Norris has got a bit of an issue now, certainly a bit of an issue when it comes to his own press because yeah. he came blasting into the sport of of the success of the junior um his junior career into a team that we would consider to be one of the the medium to big dogs a team that that put people like Lewis Hamilton into that the, the ranges of success and if you if you look at the car and a team like that and you go ah oh, well he's in Q3 it's sort of expected and yeah. so it's really hard, especially for me, it's really hard for me to separate like McLaren of old when they were really top dog 
fighting and and beating other teams like um, Renault and Ferrari to the McLaren now, which is, oh, so should we be expecting it to get to Q3? And for a team to fall back so far to the point where we're getting excited about, you know, a, a, a Q3 or a Q2 um, appearance would be such a, 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 well, it would be such a step backwards and it would be to my dismay because there are standout moments in, in sort of McLaren's history in the last, <laughs> well, in my viewership at least, um, and those were petered off as, as we sort of reached the, the 2010s and then into 2015. The only thing I really remember about the, that sort of season when, when Alonso was there and it was they were at the back of the pack was that occasion when Fernando Alonso managed to stick on a pair of dry tyres in, in one of the qualifying sessions that was drying out. It got, to the, the, got in from Q3 into Q2 and everyone went nuts. And then, of course, yeah. you know, track dried out and they were at the back of Q2, but a bit of good luck. Um, and so they would have to fall back to that point. And I can't see Lando Norris sticking around and being part of a team that cannot perform, at least in the midfield. And maybe that's why they seem to be sweetening them up a bit. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure if you saw they uh, today, well, that's when I saw it, at least McLaren um, gave Lando Norris his new custom-made uh, McLaren 765 LT Spider, which um, is you know covered in, nice. in bits of, of green and things like that. It cost $280,000, apparently, going to the sources that I saw. Um, wow. You know, they are, they are certainly opening the cookie jar for him. My advice to any uh, potential McLaren owner is don't keep it outside in the wet for too long because the, uh, the, the knock sensors go. Um, and also hopefully it won't be like McLaren's I know and uh, break down a lot but I guess Landon Norris can afford the bill right <laughs> I guess that's the advantage it of should be alright yeah he'll be alright there but they're not the most reliable cars it's been like being given a Lotus you think oh it's very kind but um, I did like my <laughs> wallet being closed anyway um, <laughs> so I think they are going to run into some issues and whilst we're talking about McLaren and Clearly, we're now speculating about Lando Norris. I think, listeners, you will make up your own mind whether or not he's going to stay. So what about Piastri? What, if a driver that, that gave up so much at, at Alpine and decided to burn the bridges there, do you think he's going to stick around? Or, and here's a, another rumour, seems like this is going to be an episode filled with rumours, I believe. Do you think McLaren are going to Van Dorn him? And what I mean by that is keep him on for a season mm. and then dump him. Great driver, but just wrong car at the wrong time. Couldn't perform. Uh, look, there's there's no getting away from it. Piastri has been struggling this year. I say that it's. I think with Piastri, we have to give him a bit of time, at McLaren, because obviously it's a tricky car to drive. It's not an ideal one to come into the sport with. It's clear that. I mean, in my opinion, it's clear that he has lots of talent. He won, I mean, not many drivers have won F3 and F2 in their first year in back-to-back years. So it's possibly only, I think the only ones are George Russell and Charles Leclerc are the only other ones to have done that. And look where they are now. So Piastri has is, is clearly got a, a high ceiling. Um, it's an interesting one because I, when we when he left Alpine... Some people are like, oh, he's given up a lot there. He's a Alpine in a strong position. Will he regret that? Um, then some people are also like, well, he's going to McLaren. If they produce a great car and his pace is up, then 
they'll be able to overtake Alpine, and then it'll look like a great move. And as it stands, they're both kind of doing a bit, a bit rubbish. Um, mm. They're both not. They've been massively leapfrogged by Aston Martin in terms of being the team to take the fights the big three, um, leaving McLaren and Alpine to fight over scraps with Al- with uh, with Haas and Alfa Romeo. Yeah. So it's like. He can't be unhappy with this situation because the team that he left is about is is worse than I said. Alpine is well, actually, no, Alpine did had a good last race in Miami. So right, he's he's given up probably, a better car, but for maybe what we would say is a maybe a slightly more functional team at the moment. Is that fair? Yeah, and I think that Alpine last year as a team just came. I know they had a quick car, but they should have wrapped up that fourth place much earlier. I think. Mm. Um, and also the off the track, it was just a mess because they, they, the whole Otmar Safnauer are telling Piastri that um, in front of mechanics uh, in the simulator that he'd be driving for the next year when Piastri had never verbally agreed to this. And then the whole legal, ba- say the whole legal battle, it lasted like two weeks, but yeah, it was still yeah, a legal yeah, battle, which cost, cost Alpine, yeah, they're paying half a million pounds to... Uh, Paying half a million pounds of McLaren's legal fees. Oh, and giving them your driver as well. So, um, like, Alpine was a bit of a mess in some parts last year. And and obviously losing Alonso as well, losing their superstar driver and their superstar youngster. So, he's probably gone, arguably, I'd say to a more stable team, other than if you disregard the whole personnel changes at the moment at McLaren. But I think, I don't know. I think that if he's going to get the success that maybe he wants, he's going to have to hope that one of your top four at the moment has a look has a look at him and uh, picks him up from the the lower down the grid, and uh, you get sort of promoted to a bigger team. Because I don't think McLaren are going to be making their way up that up the field that way anytime soon. But yeah, I mean, will they Van Dorn him? I like the use of the verb to Van Dorn. <laughs> to, Van Dorn. Um, to Van Dorn. To Van Dorn. To I presumably just meaning to. Promote someone into a team with great fanfare and then unceremoniously dump them after a relatively short period of time. Yeah, and probably um, for reasons that that they didn't deserve either. The car was terrible with Van yeah. Dorn, there? With Van Dorn, the thing was like he was hailed as like the next generational talent, but then he got absolutely destroyed by a thirty six, thirty seven year old Alonso in an, in a very, very, very mediocre car both years, admittedly, but. Van Dorn got absolutely obliterated. I th- I want to say that in his second year, Van Dorn lost like twenty nil in qualifying to Alonso, which for generational talent. I mean, yeah, it's Alonso, but you'd beat it. You want to beat him at least five or six times if well, you were. Stroll's probably going to get a similar tally this year. Yeah, exactly. Stroll Stroll will get four or five in qualifying against Alonso, possibly, but um, possibly, possibly, but um, yeah. Well, I don't know. I feel like they'd have a bit more faith in Piastri. I mean if you if you if they put in as much effort as they did to get him to sign for them in the first place and to also remember extract Daniel Ricardo from a expensive contract. I think that they I like to think they'd have some faith in him, but I don't know. Also I think Piastri has age on his side. He's only twenty two, I think. Whilst Van Dorn, yes, he was promoted, but he was a he was a little bit older. He's like twenty five, twenty six when he started in F one. So I think Piastri has that on his side, but yeah, I mean, until the next the next hot thing, the next hot talent, hot prospect from uh, from GP2, from F two or F three comes along, 
Yeah, I absolutely. Think Piastri, yeah, that, that can always change because times move on quickly and drivers can be the next best thing. Then a year later, they are yesterday's news. But I don't know. I think they keep they keep Piastri. I mean, it'd be silly to ditch Piastri, but I think yeah, just McLaren is just looking like just a bit of a mess, really. Absolutely, and and given that Piastri currently has four points to to Lando Norris is ten, he he's going to have to stand his ground a bit to the McLaren darling, Quite possibly, but. As we speculate from from driver to driver, especially McLaren's future, I mean, we'll both keep a, a, a wily eye. As a, as a McLaren fan, it makes me sad that they're going backwards, <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, they may be moving back towards the sort of the mid twenty, mid, yeah, mid twenty tens, the teens, see, and twenty fifteen, twenty sixteen sort of period when McLaren was particularly poor. Unfortunately, they may be moving back that way. However. From one rumor train to the next, all aboard the rumor train as we as we held over to Alpha Tauri, and this one took me back a bit uh, this week, and that was the rumor that a certain Daniel Ricardo may be in line to replace Nick De Vries. And by the way, I'm caveating this topic before you start getting angry on the comment section with a with a big <laughs> disclaimer this is just rumors and it's interesting to talk about <laughs> so now we can continue um but a certain daniel ricardo could well be perhaps maybe replacing nick de vries alpha tari because out nick de vries seems to be underperforming and red bull are ruthless now this was originally a little bit of uh uh, uh an outside rumor i would say was a bit out there and then it was revealed that daniel ricardo was getting a seat fitting now given that he's a reserve driver for red bull and the red bull group that that uh, alpha tarot part of then this would make sense however it is slightly unusual to be getting a feet sit a seat fitting and as further fl- fans the flames of rumor that Ricardo could well be going there. So, Angus, I, the questions I have really to discuss on this topic is, how, is Nick DeVries doing enough to save his seat? Is Red Bull mad enough or sensible enough to ditch him now, to maybe Van Dorn him, if we're going to add in the verb again? <laughs> and do you think Daniel Ricardo would take the Alpha Tauri seat, knowing the performance of the car isn't great? I'll answer one of the questions first. Are Red Bull sensible enough? Is Dr. Marco sensible? I don't, I, I, uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think it would be right up his street to do a, a move like this. Mm. Um, I reckon... I think that Helmut Marco buys... Reg- I reckon he has a season ticket on the, the, uh, the rumour train, <laughs> yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he definitely commutes on it. So, Daniel Ricciardo, it's interesting because lots of people have been referring to a comment he made... Which is that? Which is partly the reason why he turned down the Haas seat. So he was in. It was him versus Nico Hulkenberg for the Haas seat um, last season, which was kind of the last remaining seat on the grid. And he was rumored to be saying that he wouldn't go because he wanted a race-winning car. He wanted, a, or at least, a car that could compete. So, based on that, AlphaTauri are nowhere near race-winning car. They're nowhere near. I mean, they got two Yuki Sonodas finished tenth twice this season and that is their only points which they've picked up the high they had was when Sonoda came I think it was 8th in qualifying would have been in Azerbaijan in one of the qualifying sessions so that's the one sort of high it's had in terms of its pace this year but otherwise that car is the ninth fastest possibly even the 10th fastest 
when the Williams is in the hand of Alex Albon. So would Ricardo go there? I mean, if he changed his tune from last year, yes, he would. But if he stuck to his words, then he'd turn that down, no? Because it's a not a race-winning car. Yeah. And yeah, I just uh, yeah. To be honest, it's I, I don't know about you. I think it's weird to picture Daniel Ricciardo in Alpha Tauri. Be like when Daniel Kvyat. Went from Red Bull to Alpha Tauri. For a while, it was just weird because it was like this guy was in a Red Bull a few minutes ago, and now he's been demoted back to the uh, the junior team. So I can't see it personally. Can you? No, I don't. I don't see it actually. I think Daniel Ricciardo uh, would be wait, holding out for a Red Bull seat, but I I wonder whether or not he sees it as a as a gateway car, a bit like a gateway drug, I guess. Um, <laughs> 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 so he's Alpha Alpha Tauri is a gateway car from. Uh, uh, you know, mid spec to top spec of F1, it's difficult because Alpha Alpha Tauri has never really been a race winning car. They they've I mean, the last win they had was with Pierre Gasly, and he managed to managed yeah. to win in the car, um, and that was a special occasion, a sort of a one off, and things have to really really go right. And that was when Alpha Tauri, we may speculate as well, was at the the peak of their game. They actually were rivaling the performance of of cars they really shouldn't have been at the time. And that's because that was the end of the last season um, regulations, the the regulations that um, were enforced until the end of 2021. And now, of course, they are certainly, I don't want to say at the back, but they're pretty much at the back. Um, They've lost all performance. So so for Daniel Ricciardo to go there, certainly it would be against his word that he wants to be um, in a race winning and certainly a championship car is there's no chance however what it would do is give him the chance to prove how good he is a bit like how russell made his name in formula one through his excellent performance in williams maybe daniel could see this as his chance to demonstrate that what was going on at mclaren what was going on alpine when he was not necessarily where he was supposed to be. It was just a, a blip because he went from the great highs of brilliance at Red Bull down to the lows. And actually, maybe he sees this as a gateway back into the, the big team, especially once Perez decides to not be there anymore or Max decides not to be there anymore. Yeah, it's um, he's got a reputation to rebuild, I'd say. like He's got a... He's had a tough couple of years at McLaren, which has led to him going out of the sport altogether. And he's 33 years old. He's turning 34 soon, I think, maybe in the summer at some point. He's got a reputation to rebuild. He's also got to try and, uh, you know, make sure that he's uh, not wasting those uh, last few years of his career. And this could be a way back into it for him. I would like, though, to sp- if this does happen, spare a thought for Nick DeVries. I mean, the poor guy. He's just... Uh, He's come back in to the to that Alpha Tauri seat after that drive, that brilliant drive for Williams last year. And uh, to be honest, he's been nowhere. He's been, he's not been anywhere. He's been off the pace. He's been, he's crashed a couple of times, a few times in fact, and he's just looked out of sorts. And I think Franz Tost has started uh, getting into him early doors, as Franz Tost does, because he's a very honest, no filter man. Um, doesn't mince his words, and I think that it would it would be just be harsh on De Vries. I think that with F one drivers, you need to give them at least a season. 
because it's the same with lots of jobs you give spend a year in a job and then when the next year comes round your routines are are there you're sort of you're used to things you know the people better than ever so i mean i think it personally it'd be very harsh to dump him after they're pr- prospectively they're going to give him three more they're going to give him imola monaco and spain and then uh if it's not any better then they'll replace him with ricardo um by the way, giving him Monaco out the three to uh, be like, yeah, you've got to, uh, you've got to up your game, Nick. Now here's a here's the world's tightest street circuit. Yeah. No pressure. <laughs> yeah, it's um, so bad. Like, uh. yeah, just uh, I'm not sure about that, but I don't know. I think it'd be really harsh, but I think it has come at the same time as we have admitted and we've acknowledged on this podcast. Sonoda has upped his game this year. Mm. He has like, and or maybe De Vries is awful and Sonoda is being made to look. Like incredible. Well, it's only on two but... points, and let's face it, the AlphaTauri car this year is just rubbish. It is rubbish. It's, it's, it's yeah, it's pretty awful. They've um, they've really gone. It was it was that year, like you said, when Gasly won. Admittedly, it was a bit of a fluke, but it was a strong car. And then the year after, when you had Gasly, and it was Snowder's first year. Gasly was unbelievable, and he like got that podium in Baku. I think he was consistently up there with the Ferraris and the McLarens in the battle in his own personal battle for third in the Constructors' Championship. I think Gasly on his own may have come like fifth in the Constructors' in that year. Mm. But the um, the point being, he was performing exceptionally, but the car was very good as well. It was definitely clear of the Alpine and the Aston Martin. Yeah. And they've just dropped off, and now they're fighting right at the rear. It's like these new regulations that came in last year have just really thrown them off course. And, yeah, it's just... And this isn't helping De Vries's course, uh, cause... Hence why the rumours are spreading. Rumours travel fast in F1. Uh, the si- silly season has started already in uh, in mid-May. And there could, yeah, like we said, there could be a change. I, I think it'd be harsh, but um, I'm not inside the brain of Dr. Helmut Marco. So what can I say? Yeah, exactly. And actually, what was, what was weird about that um, Grand Prix where Pierre Gasly won, that was the 2020 Monza Grand Prix. I think, yeah, it's a real turning point for the teams, perhaps, because you had Pierre Gasly on top step of podium first, Carlos Sainz in a McLaren in second, and Lance Stroll in the racing point in third. And maybe Lance Stroll in the racing point being on the podium wasn't too much of a surprise. But, you know, that was certainly Alpha, Alpha Tauri sort of peak, part of the McLaren peak. You know, 2021, they would go on to actually win it, right? So Monza yeah. was the great great for McLaren then and AlphaTauri also you know that sort of peak and they've they've both fallen since then so AlphaTauri has obviously come a long way from then and, and fallen back in the pack and I I basically I completely agree I think for the moment unfortunately it's going to be pure speculation I don't see Red, Red Bull dumping and AlphaTauri dumping Nidoris after just a few races as you say let them settle in for a year but I think eyes are now on him for the wrong reasons and I don't know whether or not it's just that we expect drivers just to be excellent in the first race because that's what we have come to expect now from the fact that other drivers seem to be able to do that. I mean, let's face it, George Russell hasn't exactly struggled. For example, going to um, Mercedes, Lando Norris was pretty much good from the get-go. Alonso is <laughs> taking on his new role at um, Aston Martin with, with such a degree of excellence he's basically life coaching uh lance stroll <laughs> along the way which is just crazy but 
as we go from, I would suspect, the highs of Alpha Tauri at one Italian Grand Prix to the upcoming Grand Prix in Imola, it's time for us to to put on our hats of speculation, wave our magic oh, wands of prediction, and give our own often incorrect insights into some of the dramas that may unfold at this upcoming race. Now, it's important to note that the winner of the race, and as I kick off this speculation, could be someone completely unexpected. It may well be Bert Meinander, the driver of the <laughs> F1 safety car, because it is predicted, Angus, to be horrendous weather at this upcoming race. Now, Imola is often unforgiving in the wet and has led to some serious dramas before, such as George Russell crashing into Bottas in the wet weather um, and George Russell crashing behind a safety car in the wet weather. Uh, actually, it was just George Russell uh, causing all the drama um, in the bad weather. But if that's the case, if it is bad weather, which it is predicted to be, if it's not but like Mylander, the, the safety car driver winning, Angus... Who could it be? I was going to say, yeah, I saw the reports about the weather and you may have, I don't know if you saw, but before, just before I came on, I was having a quick look at the F1 news and basically today it was so torren- such torrential rain in the paddock that the personnel who'd arrived at the paddock early doors before the weekend had to evacuate the paddock. Such was the flood risk. So Crazy. If that's, not an omen, if that's not an omen for the weekend, I don't know what is. Now, last time I did a prediction, I predicted Nico Hulkenberg to finish on the podium oh, yes. and Logan Sargent to finish in the points, neither of which got anywhere near happening. So I'm going to go the complete opposite way and err on the side of caution this time. But... If it's a wet race, we've had, we've had a, we've actually we've had rain in last the last two races at Imola, haven't we? Because we had, like you said, the year where Bottas and Russell crashed. That was, that was wet tight. to dry. Yeah, and then last year started off in the wet and then was dry at the end. So we we could have a a similar thing today. Uh, today this weekend. Sorry, I just pray honestly that they don't just put it behind the safety car for any drop of rain like they seem to have done. In recent years, um, it was uh, Singapore last year, was it, or Monaco? One of them. They just basically just went behind the safety car until it dried up. Which well, was we a had dull. there was quite there was a number of examples. I mean, Spa as well back in twenty twenty one is yes. stuck in my mind because yes, of the, the they poor. just get, gave up after two laps. Yep. Um, so let's hope not to have that. But in the event that we don't have that and we have a proper race, I'm gonna say, oh, I don't want to be boring and say Verstappen's gonna win. Uh, so I'm gonna say that. Well, you can have a conser- think- when you have a conservative and then a fun one, eh? There we go. We'll, uh, yeah, we'll balance out because ang- because Tom isn't here to give his opinions. I'm gonna say Verstappen will be the winner because he, I mean, to be fair, his wet weather skills are excellent, and it's possibly one of his greatest assets. All his greatest differentials from the rest of the field. I'm gonna say we're going all we're going all podiums. We said yeah. yeah, we'll go with that. So second, I'm gonna say. I'm going to say Charles Leclerc is going to put in a, a good performance in the wet, uh, give the Ferrari fans something to cheer about at one of their two home races. And third, I'm going to say that... I'm going to say Perez, third. That's, a, that's an interesting one. And for your for your wild card winner? My wild card winner, I'm going to say... He's actually surprisingly good in the wet, Lance Stroll. Oh, I was going to say Lance Stroll. Damn, you got there first. <laughs> well, I, 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 
I do agree, but I'll go different. Well, so if it is terrible weather, then you've already taken Max Verstappen. So I think it's going to be Alonso. I think okay. Racing Point okay. could well repeat what they did in 2020 Turkey when um, uh, when Racing Point at the time, now Aston Martin, um, ended up being on pole position and having a great race until, well, things went a little bit wrong for Lance Troll, who was had his only chance, I think, so far to win. So I think Fernando Alonso great yes. in the wet and perhaps that Aston Martin car can, uh, can shine through just a little bit. Then I think it's going to be Verstappen and then Perez and then for a wild card winner if it's not Alonso because I guess I guess Alonso falls not into wild card anymore which is just no, crazy for me um, I think it's going to be George Russell creating drama out of for the right reasons as he comes along and wins in in my heart of hearts I would have loved to have said Norris as a redemption for Sochi um, two years ago but clearly that's not going to happen so instead I'll go with George Russell. Norris has history here. He's got on the podium the last two times we've been to Imola. He was the only, last year at Imola, he was, it was the only non-Ferrari, Red Bull uh, and Mercedes podium all season, which yeah. is a little bit depressing, I think. But <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think it's probably going to be a step too far simply because the McLaren is, is rubbish. And that's all we've got time for on this episode of F1 in Review. Thank you very much for tuning into the 13th episode. Unlucky for some, but hopefully not unlucky for us. I do hope you've enjoyed this episode. As we have, well, we've we have arrived at our destination of the of the rumor train as we uh, move towards the Imola Grand Prix. I won't repeat the name of it because I think we'd be here all day but as we move towards the the upcoming italian grand prix um in imola we shall give you some timing so three o'clock on saturday is the qualifying at two o'clock on sunday for the grand prix itself that's if you're listening um, or watching the race in the uk now we will be back next week to discuss the fallout from what could well be one of the wettest washout races of the season as we've departed from the the middle eastern tracks and from the from the u.s tracks as well we're now going towards the tracks where we do expect some wet and wild weather and this one could be the wettest and wildest of this season so fingers crossed that we will actually get some racing hopefully it won't be a quote-unquote washout and uh, dampen all our moods as they have to evacuate due to a flooding risk. But only time will tell. Will it be a safety car finish? Or will it be Fernando Alonso's shot at victory? One of a few shots perhaps this year. Do tune in next week as we discuss what we're about to see for this upcoming weekend. And enjoy the race. <laughs>